You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So I'm, I am starting a new series this morning, and uh, we titled it Savior. And I really want to emphasize how important that is to, to all of us as we go into Easter. Um, as we think about Jesus Christ and Him being our Savior, I think it's so important for us to understand what that means to us, what that means to people around us. And um, I, 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 I pondered that this week, and, and, and I want to start out by saying that when Jesus came to the earth, He was many things. For example, He was a master teacher. No one taught like, like Jesus. He, he taught the things of God, and he taught with authority, uh, with the authority of God. He was a great physician. So everyone that came to him that was sick, that was, had an ailment, they always left healed. He was a, 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 the, the great physician. He was also had supremacy over uh, the demonic world. So every devil, every demon that ever came into the, the, the presence of Jesus, they would scream and they would, uh, they would shout at him and say, why have you come to torture us before our time? So he had supremacy over the demonic world and even all the spiritual world. And, and, and Jesus also had uh, uh, supremacy over the natural world. So he was able to walk on water. He was able to calm the storms, the wind. He would say, wind, be still, and calm anything that would come into his path that would, would maybe make his uh, uh, disciples uncomfortable. But even though he did all those things and he was over all those things, that is not the reason why he came. The reason that he came was to be a savior. And what we need to grasp is that every person needs a savior. The people that we work with, the people that we go to school with, the, 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 the people in our families, there is no one that meets the standard of God. In fact, the Bible says that there is no one that is righteous, not even one. And so um, as we think about, about going into this, this series, I want to start out and lay a foundation and, and really embark in it with part one, talking about Jesus was born to save. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. In fact, Mark Lowry wrote a song, and uh, that song, we sing it at Christmas time, and it was, it, the, the title of it is, Mary, Did You Know? And in that song, he says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will someday walk on water. That means he's supreme over nature. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon, Mary, soon he'll deliver you. And, 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 and as we look at that, that song is not just a Christmas song. That song is actually a foundational song for us to grab a hold of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior of mankind. 
and we all need him. And Jesus did not come to be a, a, uh, a political savior. He didn't come to be a philosophical savior. He didn't come to be an environmental savior. He came to be a holistic savior, God in the flesh, to save us from the dilemma that we have, our sins, and every problem that we face on earth. A savior is a person who comes to the rescue to save someone from suffering a bad fate, a person who rescues another from harm or danger or loss. And that's exactly who Jesus Christ is. He came to save us from the dangers of of, of many things. Uh, uh, And I'll go into that right now, but we face a dilemma and, and we actually need to grasp the fact that we don't have to fear nothing when we have Christ. The name in in Hebrew uh, for Jesus is Yeshua. And that word means Savior. That's why when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph, he said, Joseph, son of David. Joseph was ready to, to, to run his, his, his fiance Mary, out, even though she was this wonderful lady. But when she told him that she was pregnant, you know, he was like, what in the world? What did you do? And so, and so Joseph... Uh, the, the, the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child that is within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel is saying Jesus because he is born to save. Luke's gospel An angel comes and he says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The the, the Greek word there for Savior, and I'm using a lot of of Hebrew and Greek today, or using some, because I want us to grab a hold of how important these words are. The word for, for Savior there in Greek is sotir, and it means to save from destruction, from danger, and to bring a state of prosperity and happiness, and I think Pastor Bob nailed it when he said that the prosperity that Jesus came to bring us is not a monetary prosperity, but a prosperity of peace and of joy and of compassion and of love, the things that money can't buy. And when you receive Christ, you're saved from all of these indulgences, all of this, this, this craving that, that, that our flesh and that the world brings on us. And you cannot ever get enough, but in Jesus, you're full of what you need because he came to save us. So there's seven things that I want to share and that, that the Lord put on my heart. Uh, uh, seven, seven things that, that Jesus came to save us from. And in the middle of, of these seven things, I have a video that is so relevant to where we're living at today, to the world that we're in. We live in a very dark world. Just turn on the news and you'll see that, that, that there are catastrophes, there's, there's terrorism, there's all kinds of things that are going on. And what is happening is it builds hatred. How do Christians respond to that? How do we respond? And we're going to see a video to show us how God is moving in the lives of people, our brothers and sisters in this world. But first of all, let us pray before I go into the first point. Father, thank you for every person in this second service. I just want to pray your blessing upon their minds and their hearts, Lord God. I 
I ask as we open up your word that you will just use me as your vessel. I am just a messenger, but I'm a messenger of the greatest message known to man. And so I just pray, Lord God, that as I speak, I will speak in, in a very clear and uh, very understandable way, Lord, so that every listener, every person, every soul can receive your message and that they can leave here knowing that they have a Savior who loves them and who's got a wonderful plan for their lives. So we pray this in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. 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 So the first thing that Jesus came to save us from is our ignorance. And this does not mean that we're dumb or that we live in stupidity, even though sometimes we do do some pretty dumb things. But it's, that's not the, 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 the reason here. Our ignorance does not mean that. What, what it means to be ignorant is that we are in the dark. We're in the dark of the things that really matter. We're in the dark of eternal matters. We're in the dark of God centered matters and and so we 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 need to have uh the knowledge of god in fact the bible says that there's a way that appears to be right but in the end it leads to death there are people around us that in their mindset they think that what they're what they're doing how they're living is right and 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 and, and what, what what we need to grab a hold of is that in our own intellect in our own philosophical thoughts we don't comprehend the things that really matter until we comprehend that we need God in our lives. We're in the dark. There are things in our lives that even when we are walking with God that we need to seek Him for guidance because we can't comprehend them. They're bigger than us. When someone says, I, 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 just, I just trust my gut... I trust my gut feeling. I have a gut feeling that this is the right thing to do. It's never wise to, to trust your gut because there are not good things that come out of our gut. <laughs> our gut feeling will fail us, and that's why the Bible says that we should trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, and we should not lean <clears throat> on our own understanding. You see, some people will give the advice, you know what, just follow your heart. Whatever your heart says, just, just go ahead and follow, but that is the worst advice you could ever heed yourself to. Because your heart, outside of God, can lead you places that you don't want to go. The Bible tells us in, in Jeremiah, it says, a human heart is the most deceitful of all things and is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is. So you, you, you can't trust your heart. <clears throat> you can't trust your gut feeling. You have to trust in God. And Jesus was born to give us an accurate knowledge of God. And, and in fact, in, in Hebrews 1.1, it, it gives us a little glimpse of how important that is. The writer of Hebrews says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, and the, the, and, and the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, Not right now. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him all was made, the whole universe. If we want to have the accurate knowledge of who God is and how we please God and how we should walk with God, we have to know Jesus Christ. 
He saves us from ignorance. So, Pastor, what do I do? How, 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 do I, how do I apply this? How do I put this into action? Here's three things that you can do. First of all, you have to allow Jesus to save you from walking in the dark. You have to allow Jesus to... See, he extends his hand. He says, come and follow me. But Jesus will never force you. You have to take his hand and say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I choose today to walk with you. Ray, I'm a little bit hot because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bad. Um, and, and Jesus said, he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, there's a path that is set by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> there's a path that as we're walking, he directs us and he guides us and he gives us this light so that we will not stumble. Without Christ, there are many tripping hazards in our life. We absolutely, positively need Jesus to be there so we don't walk in the ignorance of our ways. The second thing that we can do to, to help us is we have to make a commitment to reading our Bible daily. The Bible says that your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So as, as we read the word, it, 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 illuminates, it illuminates our path. It illuminates our day. It will speak things that we need to know on a daily basis. In fact, when you read your Bible daily, there will be situations that will come into your life that the Lord will quicken your heart and say, that's exactly why you read what you read. I was talking to someone this week, and he said to me, he said, I read an article that the, the most successful peoples, the most successful people in life, they start out their mornings by meditating on something that is highly important, on something that's going to benefit them for their, for their day. Can I tell you something? There's nothing better than waking up in the morning, drinking a cup of coffee or a cup of hot tea, and meditating on the Word of God. And let it, let it permeate your life and, and, and become a part of, of what you do. The third thing that we can do, which we're blessed to live in a society, we're blessed to live in a time that we're able to, to, to have tools. You can download an app of a Bible plan, and you can start following that app. Uh, there's many different places you can go. You can go to, to Glow Bible. You can go to Version. And on version, there's a great app that has many wonderful Bible plans. I put one up right there, Real Life Devotional. It's a 14-day four day plan, and for 14 days, you will, you will follow. It will give you scripture, and you follow it. And at the end of 14 days, it says you completed it. There are many people... In the, in, at Living Word Chapel that are my friends on version, and, and, and I see where you're completing your Bible uh, devotions uh, weekly and monthly, and it's, it's wonderful to see because you're in the Word. You're moving forward, and that's exactly something that will help you. Jesus came to save us from our ignorance. Number two, Jesus was born to save us from the world. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to understand that this world needs help. You've got news agencies that are fighting against each other. Conservative and liberal news agencies. You've got moderate news agencies. And all of them say they have the right answers. But all you see on the news, <coughs> all we see is negativity. People killing each other. People raping. All these things. They're, out of maybe a month of news, we, we may see one or two snippets of positive things. Most of the things are negative. But God loves the world. 
In fact, one of the greatest verses in the Bible is God so loved the world that he gave his son. And he gave his son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they'll have, they'll have everlasting life. They'll have eternal life. And then verse 17 is my favorite. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God's not looking down on people saying, you are so bad, you're so wicked. He's saying, I have an answer for you. But to, the, to save the world through him, he sent Jesus to save us from the world and what the world can do to us. The reason the world needs to be saved is because we are a mess without Jesus. And every single one of us fall into this category. We all needed to be saved by God. You know, Jesus says he's praying in John 17. I used this two weeks ago, but not this scripture. He has a prayer. He's praying to the Father, and, and he's just about ready to go to the cross and die. And he, and he, says, he says about his disciples, the people that are going to walk with him. He said, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I, I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. In other words, keep them safe from the devil. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Notice what he says. He said, they're different. People that are my followers, they're different. They don't belong in this world any more than I do. And then he says, um, uh, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. He, he's saying, you know what, I, as, as, as Lord, um, Father, as, 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 you're, as I'm going to die on the cross for the sins of everyone that will follow me, and I'm going to give them eternal life, and I'm going to give them a, a victorious life, an abundant life, Lord, um, I, I just, Father, I just want for you to, to fill them, Lord God, as they're in this world, protect them from the evil one, from the devil, Lord God. They don't have to come out of the world because they need to make an impact in their world. But keep them away from the things that are going to trip them up. Beloved, let me tell you something. God doesn't want you to live in a way that's going to destroy you. Are you with me? The world will bring things into our life and try to trip us up. God will always make a way out. Pastor, how do, how do I do that? What, what, what's the application here? I've got two. And the first thing, you have to allow Jesus to help you to take the necessary steps to overcome the negative effects of this world. You have to allow him. Jesus doesn't force us. You, you, you begin to take steps to overcome the ne negative effects. How do we do that? The Bible tells us, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. There's a renewing of your mind that happens in Christ. He saved you from the way that you thought. You thought in your old life you had these negative thoughts. You had these thoughts of, of continuous sin. You did not recognize temptations because temptations are not sin. Temptations are fiery darts that the devil throws at you. But you begin to recognize that's not from God and you, you begin to walk away from that because your mind is being renewed. He says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Beloved, you need to grab a hold of this truth. God cares about you so much, he wants good things for you. The second uh, application is surround yourself with people who will reinforce God's purposes for your life. 
Surround yourself. You know, you're in a good place today because you're surrounded with people that are wanting to, to learn the things of God. We have small groups where you're able to invest with other people into the things that God has for you, and you grow in that. I love the way that uh, future Hall of Famer Derek Jeter put it. Derek Jeter, I don't know if you know this about Derek Jeter, but I did some research. Derek Jeter is a, is a um, he raised Roman, Roman Catholic. Uh, he's still, still a Roman Catholic. Do you know that Roman Catholics can love Jesus? They can. So can people from Living Word Chapel. Just want you to know that. And so Derek Jeter, if, if, you, if you ever followed baseball, he was never in a controversy. You never seen him in the tabloids. You never saw him with scandals and things like that. The reason, and he says it in his quote, he says, you need to surround yourself with good people. People who are going to be honest with you and look out for your best interest. You see, Jesus was, Jesus was born to save us from the world. He was born to bring us amongst people that are going to be good for you, that are going to help you. They're going to pull you away from things that are harmful for you. The third thing, the third thing, Jesus was born to save us from the law. We are incapable, incapable of keeping rules and regulations perfectly. Pastor, how do you know that? Uh, let me just give you an example. This morning I'm driving to church. I'm cruising down the, the Reddington Road, coming down this way, and someone passes me a church member. <laughs> and he waves real happy. Family waves real happy. We're on our way to church. He leaves me in the dust. So I'm driving, I'm coming up, I get to the church, and he runs out to me, he says, I was going to call you, there's a DPS officer that's right down the road here on 77. Did he stop you? I look, dude, I was going the speed limit, remember you passed me. He said, wow. For once, I was going to speed limit. Thank you, Jesus. So here's the thing. We are incapable of keeping rules and regulations perfectly, and we are certainly incapable of keeping God's perfect standard, the law. The Ten Commandments were never intended to save us. The law was intended to reveal that we can't save ourselves. The law was given as a tutor, as a teacher, to show us that we fall short so that we will look for a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Jesus said this about the Ten Commandments. He said this about the law. He said, you need to know this. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I didn't come to do away with them. I came to accomplish their purpose. Another translation says, I came to fulfill the law. You see, only Jesus Christ lived his life perfectly. And can I tell you what imperfect man did to him? We put him on the cross. When I think about the, 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 the law and, and law, period, what does it produce in us? It produces three things. It produces guilt. Because when you break a law, when you break a commandment, you're guilty. And so you have this guilt factor. It produces discouragement. And the reason for that is because when you have rules, regulations, has anyone ever did a, a um, at the beginning of each year, you say, I'm doing a New Year's resolution? And you say, I'm setting these standards, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to eat right, and I'm going to exercise, and da-da-da, and for about three days, you're just good. Fourth day, you go by in and out, and you look, 
but you don't stop, right? Fifth day, you go to the parking lot, but you don't go in. <laughs> I just want to see what it looks like. Sixth day, you walk in the door, and you walk out. I'm not going to do it. Seventh day, is you've been to church. Someone says, do you want to go to La Casita? You know it. <laughs> and then what happens, you're discouraged. You're like, oh, man, I couldn't do it. See, rules and regulations, we fall short. And then what happens with that is condemnation. You feel condemned. I can't believe I did. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did that. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was born because when you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. And you walk in the things of God, and you're, and you're able to be led away from all that. And, and, and it's so important that we, that we grab a hold of grace. So how do we apply this? I would say this. You have to embrace grace. Not grace Guillen, but grace. Don't, don't everybody start hugging grace at the end of the service. Pastor said, we've got to embrace you. I love the way that Billy Graham put it. Billy Graham put it like this. When granted many years of life, growing old in age is natural. But growing old with grace is a choice. Growing older with grace is possible for all who will set their hearts and their minds on the giver of grace, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to save you from the law so that you could walk in his grace. Amen? No Christian, none of us, those that are in Christ, should ever leave these doors with your head down. You should always leave him saying, we have an amazing Savior. We've got a great God. Got a great Lord. The fourth thing that Jesus was born to save us from is our sin. And this is the greatest dilemma that we face. Daily, daily we're swimming in a pool of temptations. Sometimes we make the right choice. More than likely, more, more times than none, we make the wrong choice. And the condition of this is sin. We are born with a sinful nature, but when we, we come to Christ, He changes our nature. Okay? I love the way that the, the, the great Christian thinker C.S. Lewis put it. He said, you will say that, that, that these are very small sins and doubtless, doubtless like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. What he's saying is that, you know, when you're doing those small, menial sins, you look at everyone else saying, look, at that. they're worse than me. They're bad. I'm not. Okay? And then he goes on. But do, you, do, but do remember the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their culminative, uh, yeah, culminative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out to nothing. So what, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that it, small sins, you're going to be going away from God, you're going to be going away from God into this nothing part instead of walking in the light. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. He's saying the devil will work however he can to get you away from the light into 
nothing, the nothing world with little trivial sins. Amen? The Message Bible put it like this in, in Matthew 121. I love the way it put it. It says, She, Mary, will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, which means God saves. Because he will save his people from their sins, this would bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. Can I tell you something, beloved? Sin condemns, and Jesus was born to acquit and to pardon us from our faults. Sin enslaves, but Jesus was born to break the chains that keep us bound. Sin destroys, but Jesus was born to restore our souls and our hearts and our minds. Pastor, how, how do I apply this? I would tell you it's simple. You make the daily choice to run to Jesus when you sin. You make the daily choice to go toward God instead of away from God. The Bible says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. Steve talked about that during the praise and, and worship. He talked about what an amazing thing to have a Savior who pleads our case, who intercedes for us and stands for us. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And Jesus came to save us from our enemy. The, 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 the fifth thing that I want to share is Jesus was born to save us from Satan, our enemy. And I want you to grab a hold of this. Satan is real. And, he, and his desire is to destroy our lives. There is a battle that is constantly going on for your soul. And before you come to Christ, the devil wants to keep you away from the good news, from the message that saves you. But when you come to Christ, you're saved forever. The only weapon the sa that Satan has on us when we come to Christ is he'll lie to you, deceive you, and keep you from becoming everything you could be in and through Christ. The Bible says that the Son of God came to destroy the works of of the devil. I'm going to show a video clip, and it was sent to me by Dr. Don Orvis. We, we, we partner with, with Don and his ministry. It's called Face to Face, and he sends teams to different parts of the world to do missions. Well, Don had partnered with a, with a church in Cairo, Egypt, and he's taken several teams over there to do missions work. Well, he just found out that not too long ago there were 20, I think it was 20 or 21 Christians that were killed in Egypt by a terrorist organization. And some of the members of this church were some of the ones that they were beheaded because of their faith. And so this video clip shows what did the church do? You know, we, we live in a Western world, a Western mindset, and we're, we're saying we got to kill these people. We got to do this. We got to do that. I hear all kinds of things going on. Well, what is the church doing in Cairo? And you begin to see what, they, what God directed them to do. 
And I want you to be looking. There's going to be subtitles, so you're going to have to read because it's all going to be in, in, a, in a different tongue. But read the subtitles on what they, the Lord directed them to do. And then there's one very important thing almost at the end that you need to grab a hold of and see how big the power of God is against the devil. <clears throat> that you didn't miss some of the most important things that we can learn from the Egyptian church. What we can learn from the Egyptian church is that instead of allowing bitterness and hatred to penetrate and permeate their hearts, that they called themselves to prayer and fasting and to seeking the Lord for guidance and that they would even be able to offer forgiveness to those that are killing their loved ones. To do the same things that Jesus did. Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. But the, how are we in the American culture? What, what is our stance? How, how do we react to things like that? The pastor said, I've, I'm, 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 I've been honored, beloved, because we, we were called to prayer and fasting and, and the love of God has permeated our hearts. And not only has the love of God permeated our hearts, but the conviction of God has permeated the hearts of those that are killing God's people. And two of them had a meeting with him. And they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. If that doesn't make you excited, beloved, if that doesn't give you an understanding of how big God is, they're not reporting this on CNN or Fox. But the church is reporting it because God's moving. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that's very important. One of the greatest killers in the church that killed Christians, became the mightiest man in the church, and his name was Paul. We cannot let hatred permeate our hearts. You know what we need to do? And what I want you to join me in doing, because I'm going to start, I told first service, until Easter, every Friday, I'm calling you guys to fast and pray with me. And that doesn't mean that you don't have to eat all day, that, that you can skip a meal, you can skip something that you really enjoy. And we can pray together, and we can seek the God of this universe, the creator of our lives, and we can say, Lord God, we need you desperately in our world, not only in Egypt, not only in, in, in Iran. And, and can I, Did you see the church, how it's thriving? Did you see how they're not ashamed to worship God? Did you see how they're not afraid of the devil? Because the God that we serve is bigger than the devil. And so I, on Fridays, until we get to Easter, put something away. Skip your favorite meal. Skip your favorite place and say, I'm seeking God. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord to move in my heart. And in my life. Do you notice what he said? He says, the devil, the serpent of old, the, the Satan, he's our enemy. It's not ISIS or, or uh, Al-Qaeda. When Al-Qaeda leaves ISIS, there'll be someone else. An ideology, if you were born into an ideology, you wouldn't just understand that ideology, that belief system. Praise God you weren't born into it. But we can pray to the God of miracles to change hearts and to change lives. And that we can be an instrument of his love.
How do we apply this? How do we apply uh, that Jesus was born to save us from Satan? You need, to, you need to choose to live with the assurance that God has your back. God is never, He never leaves us. Devils, demons, fear God. We don't have to fear demons and devils. The Bible says that greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. No matter what the devil will throw at us, we are more than conquerors because of Jesus. And you need to understand that the blood of Christ is powerful. How many times in that video did they say the blood of Jesus? We, 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 we uh, declare the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. When's the last time that we declared the blood of Jesus over our lives? over our, our families, over our hearts. The Bible says this. It says, They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. We serve a big God. He's bigger than the, he's bigger than the boogeyman. He's, be, he's bigger than those demons. Let me tell you, those demons are all around us. But we don't have to fear because God is bigger. Jesus was born, number six, to save us from, and we don't talk about this very much, Jesus was born to save us from hell. This is a biblical reality that's not talked about a lot in the contemporary church. And while I believe that God doesn't want us to make this a central part of our message, Jesus did not come to this earth to give us a... a, a, a Hell insurance, that's not his purpose. He came to the earth to reveal the love of God. We should always recognize the fact that Jesus was born to save us from hell, a fact that I'm really thankful for. The reason that I believe in a literal hell is because Jesus talked about a literal hell. Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, we need to be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell, Gehenna. The Bible teaches us that the wicked, those who don't accept the saving grace of God through Christ, that they will die, that they will perish, that they will face everlasting destruction. Hell is not a good place, and it's the only time that we can say, hell no, don't want to go. Amen? How do we apply this, Pastor? I would say this to you. Because hell is a real place, we should do everything we can to keep people from going there. Amen? Enough about hell. Jesus, the last thing, Jesus was born to save us from the wrath of God. Jesus came to save us from the from, from what we deserve, because God is just and He's holy, He would cease to be holy and just if He, not, if he did not deal with sin and sinners. Right? But Christ came and He took our place. He took what He did not deserve so that He could offer what we never earned, which is salvation, eternal life, 
and an abundant life. In fact, the Bible confirms this. It says, God did not appoint us as Christians to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have everyone close their eyes? I'm going to close now. You're such an amazing God. Beloved, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that you trust in Jesus if you never have. He came to save you from your ignorance, from the world from rules and regulations that we can't keep, from the failures that we commit, our sin. He came to save you from Satan, your enemy. He came to save us from hell. And he came to save us from the wrath that we deserve. In fact, Jesus on the cross, he said what we sometimes say my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God didn't forsake his son. He raised him from the dead. And that's exactly what he wants to do to your life. He wants to raise you from a dead state, from, a, from a, an existence of emptiness and loneliness. And today's the day that you can choose to receive him freely. There's nothing that you have to offer him. He's paid it all. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I, I know there's someone in here today that the, God is working and he's speaking to your heart and to your life, and I just want you to receive this prayer. Agree with it, and let this be your life-changing moment. Simple, it's just, God, I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. And I admit that I have sinned against you. But you have been so merciful and you've sent your son, Jesus, to save me and forgive me. I choose to receive him as my Lord and Savior today. I confess that Jesus died for all of my sins on the cross at Calvary. Past and present and future. I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day just like the scripture said he would. And he's seated at the right hand of the power. Today I choose to follow him from this day forward in, uh, in the fellowship of his church. And that church, Lord, is spread out all over the place. We saw that church in Egypt, Lord God. That church is in Iran. That church is in, in, in your churches in, in, in uh, every place in the world. Guatemala and Honduras and Mexico and here in the United States. And I choose to join together with your church. And I pray this and receive him today. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.